All right. So if you haven't been with us, we're in a series called A Life Worth Dying For. And, uh, and, the, and we're looking at a few different things. The first one is this. Um, your life, as you look at the life of Jesus, you realize that your life is worth dying for. We're going to look at that again tonight. Jesus, one of the first things he did as soon as he stepped on the scene is he unrolled a scroll of Isaiah. Again, one of these old, that was a prophecy about the Messiah that was going to become. The Messiah was the word that meant the anointed one. And everyone in the Jewish faith knew that this was their deliverer. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for, for someone who was going to set them free. And the Messiah was coming and Jesus read the scroll and he said, this is me. It's me, I finally come. And then we realize that his life, his life, you guys, is worth dying for. He is the one who has all authority over all things, all power, perfect in his goodness and his love. We just keep looking at the life of Jesus and we realize his life is worth dying for. And then when you look at his life and you realize if we follow Jesus, one of the things that's important to him is that everybody else's life is worth dying for. So you realize that as a follower of Jesus, I look out here, you guys look at each other and we go, man, we're worth dying for. Everybody who's outside this building is worth giving our life for. So we've been looking at his teachings, the different ways that Jesus says, I'm going to turn things upside down. You guys, the way of heaven, the kingdom of God, my way is so completely different. And if you've missed the last few weeks, you can go back and you can watch those. So we continue to assume we're in the book of Luke. It's one of the books that actually follows the life of Christ. And um, as we continue to follow him tonight, what we're looking at is this, a life worth saving, a life worth saving. And here's what I want to tell you. Your life is worth saving. Okay. Your life is worth saving. So when I was sitting down, as soon as I sat down to think about this message and I wrote down the title of it, I immediately thought back to Susan and I, we, were, we took our kids, they were super little and we were at Donut Falls. How many of you guys have done the little Donut Falls? Beautiful, right, hike? So we were sitting there, we had our little picnic and we were enjoying stuff. And I look over at Susie and she keeps glancing up across the, the little, the valley up on this ledge. <clears throat> and she goes, Dave, she goes, I'm really concerned. I go, what, what's going on? She goes, there's a dad up there, look up there. So I look up, there's a dad and he's got a little kid. I asked her again, she's about five years old, really little kid. And they were coming down like the side of this mountain, which was not like this. It was like this. And he was trying to take his, dad, his son down the side of the mountain. And Susie kept watching and, and she was concerned. And so again, when I met Susie, this was her sport, right? She was a climber. She's a Colorado girl, Idaho girl. She was a major climber. And so she saw this and eventually she saw that the dad was stuck and he didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden he was starting to be insecure up on the side of this mountain. And she goes, Dave, she goes, I think I might have to go up there and help him. And I'm like, you aren't going up there and helping him. <laughs> like the last thing I need is you up there stuck with him. And, but she knows what she's doing and she could tell the dad didn't. And the kid was stuck and they were on this ledge and they didn't know what to do. And right before Susie got ready to go up and help him, this group of young people came down, uh, came down the mountain into the valley and, hey, they're just having a good time. And they said, what's up? And I go, we all just said, man, you guys, there's this, look up there. There's this dad and his son. They have not been able to move. They can't get down. And all of a sudden, this one guy, he, he, he didn't have a shirt on, all he had on. I mean, he might, I think he might have had pants maybe rolled up. No, no shoes. And he just took off without even thinking. And next thing you know, I look over 
and it was Spider-Man. <laughs> it was Spider-Man. It was the coolest thing. I'm serious, you guys. This dude just up, up the wall, up this, climbed like I have never seen anybody climb. He got up there so quick, and this young guy grabbed this man's son and carried him and then escorted the other guy and brought both of them down safely off this ledge. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was so cool. I'm like, I have never seen a live Spider-Man. And it was, it was very, very impressive. Now, I share that story with you because as soon as I say we're going to talk about a life worth saving, like, let's just be honest. We don't think about that very often. In fact, I doubt there's very many people here in Salt Lake City that are worried about being saved. Now, in Ukraine, a different story. When you actually need to be rescued, when you could slip on a ledge and lose your life or lose your son, you need to be saved and you need to be rescued. Well, you guys, Jesus said... The whole reason we're here is he said, I came to seek and to save. When the angels, you know, we all celebrate Christmas. When the angels came, they said, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you a Savior has been born. So that's what we're going to look at. The only reason Jesus came is because we needed to be saved. I want you to know tonight that your life is worth saving, all right? So we're in Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along on your phone, um, and, uh, starting with verse 18, and here we go. Once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. You're the deliverer. You're the savior. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to follow after me must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their, their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So what's Jesus saying? Who do you think I am? Who do you guys think I am? You're the Messiah. He goes, I am. I am the deliverer and I am the savior. And then he says basically this. Let me tell you something about me as a Messiah. I must, keyword here, be killed and raised to life. And then he says, hey, and let me tell you something about you. If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
So all I want to do tonight is I want to just answer the question, why? Why must Jesus be killed? And why must he be raised to life? And why must you and I deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him? And apparently, it's all about saving our lives. And your life is worth saving. So let's hit the first one. Why must Jesus be killed? And here's why. Because if he doesn't die, we do. If he doesn't die, then we do. And he loves you. He loves you. And your life is worth saving. So of course he, he had to die. That's what love does, right? I mean, if I love you and you could die, then I'm gonna do something about it. And he had to die because he also, he loved the father. He says this all the time. I love the father. I love the father and I do whatever the father tells me to do. Well, what do we know about the father? For God so loved the world. God loved the world. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to have eternal life. And since Jesus loved the father, the father said, I'm sending my son for the God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So Jesus is like, well, I love you, dad, so I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I love my creation and I don't want him to die. So I will. I, let's think about it this way. Um, earlier this week, Susie and I were watching a, an episode of a show and I was just super moved. The, the, the dad was getting older like I'm getting older <laughs> and he had his health issues and he was getting ready. They thought he was going to die and he's got these adult children and he loved them. And there was just this bond and man, I was, I was moved so strongly. And many, some of you don't know, but my middle daughter, Ashlyn is actually at Colorado state university right now. And I just miss her like crazy. <laughs> so I just looked over at Susan and I said, you know what? I want to go surprise Ashlyn. And so I did. So it was Thursday, and as soon as I got off work, man, I just hopped in the car and bolted to Colorado State. And I didn't tell her I was coming. It was awesome. It was so fun. I was standing behind this pillar, and I had one of her best friends say, hey, text her and say, hey, I have something for you. Please come down outside. And she came outside and walked past the pillar and then saw me and just dropped everything. And, oh, come on, man. That was awesome. It was a great moment. Now, why did I do that? Because I, I just wanted to be with her. I just wanted to be with her. Guess what? God wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. He created you to be with him forever. Now, now here's the thing. I didn't have to do that, right? I didn't have to do that. I wanted to do that. Because she's my daughter and I love her. And you guys, that's our God. He just wants you and he loves you. But then let's, let's, let's change the story a little bit. What if Ashlyn actually had a, like a, a, a really serious illness and she needed a, a drug, uh, some sort of medication? And what if she lost it? And if she didn't get it within the next eight hours, she was going to die. And I possess the medication here. What would I do? I am in the car. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving everything. I'm leaving my wife even. I'm going. 
I will do whatever it takes. If my daughter possibly could die and I possessed what could save her life, hello, you go. Why did Jesus say, I must die? Because he knew if he didn't, you would. And he loves you. And he will do whatever it takes because your life is worth saving. Now, let me explain why is this the case? Why did Jesus have to die? Why, are we, why would we die? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we earn when we sin, and when we sin is just when we, when we don't follow God, when we don't walk with him, when we do opposite things, when he's not God to us. He says what we earn by doing that is death. And then the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every human being has done things against God. And so all, of, all people have sinned. That means everybody on the planet has earned death. Okay? Let's go into this a little bit more. See if I can explain to you why this is true. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. All of us, because all of sin. Gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So this is interesting. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. What's it mean? What's it mean that I'm dead in my sin? Because if I'm alive, if I'm breathing, if I'm physically alive, how can I actually be dead in my sin? Well, here's, here's the best explanation I can give you. Jesus said, eternal life. He point blank defines what ter- eternal life is. He says, eternal life is knowing the one true God and Jesus whom you sent. That's what eternal life is. Now, it's a little bit hard for us in our Western world because when we think about knowing something, we think about studying it. We think about knowing about something. But this is a different word. It's not knowing about something. There's a Greek word for that. It's called gnosis. And it means to know about something. But when Jesus says eternal life is that you know the one true God, he doesn't use the word gnosis. He uses the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko is how I know that woman right there. Gnosko is intimacy. Gnosko is relationship. Gnosko is experiencing. Susie and I, right? When you, the more you gnosko somebody, the closer and the closer you are. And Jesus said, you guys, this is eternal life. It's that you are so intimate and close to God that you experience him and he's inside you, okay? So if that's eternal life, then what's death? Death is not knowing him. (laughs) Death is actually being separated from him. The Bible says, right? God is life. He's the one who gives life. And so if you're separated from him, 
then all of a sudden that's what it means to actually be dead. Death is separation from God. So the reason I know Susie so well, and and some of you, right, I look out here, and some of you I know really well. And some of you I don't know at all. And the reason I don't know you is because you're not in my life. I've let Susie into my life. I said, I want you in my life. And that's half of it. But the other half is Susie had to say, and I want you in my life. And I had to say, and I want in your life, which I do, I want in that woman's life. (laughs) To the level that you let someone into your life and you reciprocate by getting into their life. Think about it. Those are the people you know. And it's the same thing with God. That's eternal life. So what's death? Death is simply saying to God, I don't really want you in my life. Because <laughs> like you're God, and if you come in my life, then you kind of tell me what to do. <laughs> and I don't want you messing with my money. <laughs> I don't want you messing with my sex life. I don't want you messing with my job. I don't want you messing, like, right? It's like, you know what, God? It's cool if you're there, if I need you but I actually don't really want you in my life. That's, all, that's what almost all the world is saying. I'm just not interested in you coming in and messing with my life. Now, on the flip side, they also, you also say, and God, the truth is I'm not really interested in your life. I don't really want to follow you. I'm not interested in laying down my life for you. <laughs> I'm not interested in considering everybody else's interests more than my own. I'm not interested in giving up 10% of my money and giving it to you because it's yours and then being a good steward with the rest of it. God, you know, everything that Jesus teaches you guys is a life of love, but a life of love is you give yourself up. And the truth is most people are saying, God, I'm not interested in your way. I don't want you here and I really don't want to jump in you there. And you know what God says? Okay, okay. But if you're separated from me, what you just earned by that decision to not follow me is death. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, so the Bible just says you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then what did it say? He goes, when you used to follow the world. Well, you follow the way of the world. The way of the world is always, it's the one, one place is defined as the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the, the pride of life. It's all about you. The way of the world ends up being all about you. And, and, and so you don't follow God. And then he says, you follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. There is a spirit who is at work in the disobedient. The one thing that Jesus did, if he was truly the son of God, he came down to tell us, hey, listen, there's a spiritual war And there's somebody who actually is always working. There's a spirit at work in those who are disobedient. Oh, and basically, we've talked about this so much here. He usually does it by lying to us about who God is and who who we are. And we follow what he says instead of God. And then he says, you follow your flesh's desires and thoughts. And the point right there, you guys, if you do that, he goes, instead of saying yes to me, you say yes to yourself. And what you just earned was death. So here's a question. If that's the wage you earned, who's going to pay that debt? Who's going to pay that debt? You earned it. I guess you get it. This is the question. 
you are going to pay that debt unless somebody pays it for you. And that's why Jesus said, I came and I must die. Because everyone on the planet has earned separation because there's not one person on the earth who's ever followed God perfectly, ever. That's why Jesus must die. Because your life was worth saving. It goes on to say, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That's such good news, you guys. Even when you're saying no to God and following him, Jesus comes and he doesn't say, hey, get your act together and start following me if you want to go to heaven. That's not what he does. While you're in your transgressions saying no to him, he comes and rescues you. And then he brings you. So here's eternal life. Here's separation. Jesus comes. He rescues you binds himself with you as you put your faith in him and saves you. This is your life in Christ. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 puts it this way. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You were just, you weren't following God. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. In Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus came, because he loves you. And he knew that somebody has to die for our sins. And he's like, amen. Because your life is worth saving. And that's why he said, I must die. Second thing, then why must he be raised to life? I must be killed, and then I must be raised to life. N.T. Wright, <clears throat> he's an English theologian, he says this, it's only the resurrection that makes the crucifixion appear anything other than a horrible end for another failed Messiah. <laughs> So there were all these people who were claiming to be the Messiah. There were all these people, the, the Jews, coming up and saying, hey, we're going to be the Savior. We'll rescue you. And, and then they would get killed, and then they died. And so if Jesus didn't rise again, he would have been like any other guy. He would just have been a failed Messiah. If, only, if Jesus only died, then you guys, he's no different than anybody else. Then he was just a good teacher <laughs> or a moral example for us to follow. But that's not who he was, man. It would have been just a funeral. It's almost like if Jesus was paying our debt, it's almost like he went in to rescue us and he went into the prison cell and he's still in there. And he's just staying in the prison cell. It's like, no, man, you wouldn't be free. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay the price, but I'm just gonna sit here. No, man, if you're free, then you come out. And so it was important for him to be raised to life. Romans 4, 23, it says this. The words, it was credited to him. And basically, uh, uh, this is a story of Abraham, right? It's an Old Testament story. And Abraham was super old. His wife was super old. God was saying, you're going to have children. You're going to have so many kids. It's going to be like more than the stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, I'm 100. 
and so's my wife. Ain't gonna happen. No, that's not what he said. He believed God. He believed God to do something that was humanly impossible. And it says, and God credited righteousness to him just because he believed. So in this verse, it says, the words, it was credited to him, means righteousness was credited to Abraham. They were written not only for him, but for us also, to whom God will credit righteousness. He will actually put it into your account. He will actually make you righteous. For us who, what? Believe. Abraham wasn't like, you guys read the Bible. He, he, would, he messed up a lot. He didn't get into heaven because like, man, Abraham, you're, you're, you're pretty good. No, he got in, he, he got reconciled to God because he believed. And then the Bible says the same thing is true for us. Who believed him, who raised, for us who believed in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. You guys, it's his risen life and our union with him that empowers us to live. See, Jesus paid the price for sin. He, took, he actually experienced death. He experienced separation from God. But the cool thing about Jesus was he was completely sinless. <laughs> he had no sin in him. He loved God and was in perfect union with him. So even though he died, he had the power to destroy death and rise from the again. Have you ever been to a funeral where somebody popped out of the casket? No, and you never will. Because only Jesus had that power. And so he destroyed the power of death and rose again. And the Bible says when you put your faith in Christ and you are unified with him, then your sins are paid for through his death. But you are also baptized into his resurrection. You guys, Jesus rose again to actually live through his spirit inside of you so that you could live a new life. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then nobody rises from the dead. And you die and you're done. But because he did rise from the dead, you put your faith in him and your spirit united with him, he will raise you from the dead. And he lives inside of you. Now, as I'm saying this, I'm just going, if any of you in here have never heard this before, you might be going, what? But I want to tell you, it's the greatest news in all the world that your spirit, which is separated from God, which he calls dead, can actually be reconciled back to God, forgiven of everything you've ever done, and his spirit comes inside yours. And that is eternal life. And you don't have to wait until you physically die. In fact, he says you're already dead in your sin. But you receive me. You have eternal life now and forever. This is the good news. This is why Jesus came. And he said, and I must die to take on the penalty of our death, pay that price, and I must rise again so I can give everybody life everlasting and the presence of God with you every moment that you're on earth. That is why Jesus came. 
I must die. I must be raised to life because your life was worth saving. And I just want to say right here real quick, if any of you are here and you just know right now, I follow the way of the world. I follow my flesh, which just means myself. I do whatever I want to do. The truth is I don't follow God. And if you know right now that your spirit is not filled with the spirit of God, I just want to tell you, all he says is, all you got to do is you're saved by grace. This is a gift. It's a gift. You put your faith in me and tr put your trust in my son, in Jesus Christ, and say, God, I am so sorry that I have not followed you. Will you forgive me? And put your trust in Christ's death for your sin. He says, I forgive you. And he will reconcile you to himself and put his spirit inside of you and you will become a child of God. And that's an offer to every one of you in this room. Now, real quick, <clears throat> after Jesus says this, this is so fascinating. So he says, so I must die and I must be raised to life. And then it says, and then he said to them all, because now what I want to talk about is for all of us who are in here, because many of us in this room, we've made this decision, right? A lot of us are followers of Jesus. We've received Christ. We've experienced the freedom of being forgiven. We've experienced the presence of God in our life every day. It's awesome. He goes, so now he wants to talk to us real quick. And he says this, he said to them all, whoever wants to follow after me must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So let me ask, answer this question as we, as in our last minutes here. Why must we, okay, those of us who have already received Christ, why, was my, why must we deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him? And here's the question. Save your life or lose your life, he says. You could save your life or you could lose your life. This is so important, you guys. But eternal life is a gift. It's a gift. And once you receive that gift, he says, you become my child. The coolest thing about Mariah, Ashlyn, and Caleb, my three kids, they're always gonna be my kids. <laughs> There's nothing they can do to not be my kids anymore. So what's Jesus talking about here? And here's the key. When he says that you can receive eternal life, that word life, again, this is why the, the, the original languages actually matter here. The, the word eternal life is the word zoe in the Greek. It means zoe. And it's always the counterpart to death. It's this is, zoe is what God has in himself and that he alone can give to people. And it spans time and eternity. Eternal life is the gift of life that's eternal forever, that's in God and in Christ himself. But life here, when he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it, it's a different word. It's the words in the Greek, psyche. <laughs> psyche. It's the word that's translated your soul. It's the word that's often translated yourself. This word psyche, it's your inner person. It's your personality it's you. It's the unique person that God has created you to be. And what he's saying is, 
So once you receive eternal life, like here's the point, you can't really follow God. Jesus said, no one, no one can enter my kingdom, which basically means no one will actually follow God unless you're born of my spirit. And once you are born of his spirit, that's Zoe, that's life. And now that you have that, now that you're reconciled with the life of God, you can actually start to follow him. And if you follow him, he says, you find your psyche. If you follow me, you're going to find out who you are. If you follow me, you're going to find out the reason that you're on this planet. And everybody, everybody on the planet is trying to find this fulfillment, find out my identity, find out why I'm here, find out my purpose. And what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, hey, the only way you're going to find that is you must come after me and you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to save your psyche, if you try to do it, you're actually going to lose it because you don't know why you're here. You don't know your purpose in life. You know, one of my favorite verses in Colossians, it says, we were created in him, in Christ, by Christ, for Christ. And when you're created in him, that means he thought of you. Like everything that you see here, this, this, this mic stand, somebody actually thought of this thing and then they designed it. And it has a purpose, right? But it started because somebody thought of it. You guys, you are God's idea. You are created in him. And then by him, the only reason you're on this planet is because he created you to be here and you're created for him. So Jesus says, if you don't take up your cross daily and follow me, you're never going to find out why you're here. Does that make sense? And so all of us who are Christians, some of you in here, you actually have eternal life. You've put your faith in Christ. You have Zoe. You've been reconciled back to God. But now he looks at you and says, but if you want to be my disciple, if you actually want to come after me, you got to give up your life. And then he says, what? For me. For me. And this is when you finally realize, you look at your life and it's like, man, what do I use my time for? What do I use my finances for? What do I use my gifts for? What do I use my unique calling? Why am I at the workplace that I'm at? And Jesus would say, for me. You're gifted with intellect that I gave you for me. You're on this planet for me. I want you to love each other. That's the church. I want you to know how to love each other. I want you to love the world. I want you to have compassion. I want you to care about injustice. I want you, you got your fishing lure still, you guys? Right? I love this thing. Because he reminds me, he says, if you come follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to make you somebody who's going to go after other people. You guys, you were uniquely created by God. He saved you to bring you back into relationship with him. And now he's saying, now follow me. If you want to find your life, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Can I ask you a question? Is your life worth saving? Is your life worth saving? Then don't follow the way of the world. Don't follow the, the, the spirit that's messing with your brain and causing you to do things that aren't of God. Don't follow the cravings of your flesh. 
believer in here tonight, do you really live for him? Or have you kind of got this saved? And the scripture says, in the same way you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. You guys, we were created to literally change the world. And you will if you follow him. So as the band comes up, I just am point blank going to give you guys all an invitation tonight. I'm just going to give every one of you an invitation. First off, I just want to say to any of you in this room, if at this point, after being here tonight, if you know, I'm actually still separated from God. I have never put my faith in Christ. I have never trusted in his death on my behalf. And at this point, I'm separated from God. And that's dead. And if you want tonight to say, Jesus, please, I, I hear you. I want to be reconciled back to God. I want to receive the gift of eternal life. Forgiveness of all my sin through his death and the power of his presence in my life. You guys, he's good. He's loving. He's patient and kind. He is peace. He is joy. In the midst of all of COVID, as everybody was shaken, it was like, but when you have God, you don't have to be shaken. We can look at what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and we can start to fear even the possibilities of nuclear war. What are you going to do if that happens? What are you going to do if that happens? If you have Christ, you know you have eternal life, and you know what's going to happen because you're with him and he's with you every second of every day. I just want to offer you, we're going to sing, Mike and, and Jenny are going to lead us in a song. And while they sing, I just want to encourage you, if you want to come down here, my wife's here, I'm here. And if you'd just want to come down and say, you know what, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you and I want to receive your forgiveness and I want to receive your spirit and I want to be reconciled back to God. I actually believe my life is worth saving. Jesus, save my life. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. And at the same time, hey, Christian, follower of Jesus, are you denying yourself? Are you taking up your cross and laying, which just means I give up my life for God and for others? Or are you really just living whatever you want to do, doing whatever you want, and just grateful that he died for you? Is he your Lord? And Jesus is saying to you, listen, you have no idea the life I have for you, but you won't find it unless you deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Lose your life for me, he says, and you'll save it. Some of you, I just know, some of you right now, you are his child, but you have not been following him. And tonight's your night. And if you want to while we're worshiping, come down, get on your knees before Jesus again and just say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I want to save my life, Jesus. So I'm going to deny it one more time and I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to follow you and you have your time with him, okay? All right, let's stand and let's worship this great God who through love and mercy and grace saved us.
because your life was worth saving. And you come down here if you want to have some time with God and pray, and we'll pray with you.